When you hear the word ethnic studies, you think it seems positive, but that's not what this course is about. So what was this like? So a privilege quiz is basically asking the kids questions that are very carefully chosen and then ranking them by privilege against their classmates. Just already dividing our students. So to say that you're privileged because of these 10 questions we chose is just so wrong. So we're putting this message into our kids that they're either oppressed or privileged at their most formative years of their life. And it's, I think it's criminal. So then what will happen after that? So the goal is to classify America or the U.S. as a racist country, including the Constitution, say that that document was created by racists, our country was founded on racism, so we need a revolution. My guest today is Kali Fontania, a former California high school teacher. Her story of why she quit her job after speaking out against critical race theory and ethnic studies in California got hundreds of thousands of views on social media. What these teachers are doing, and they're being trained on this, this is in our trainings, is they are being trained to treat students differently based on the color of their skin. So the whole, when you hear the term equity, that's what that means. What is ethnic studies and what is its real impact on California's students and teachers? Let's find out in today's episode. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome to California Insider. Thank you. You know, there is a movement with critical race theory mm -hmm. and, and California. We have a law that's, that's actually, we're going to teach ethnic studies. It's a requirement in high schools. But with critical race theory, we have um, almost half the parents think that this is good mm -hmm. and we need to teach, uh, they, they think this is teaching about racism. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about this critical race theory? Well, first I want to say to the parents that think it's good, they can teach their child it. That's their right to do that. It's America. We can raise our kids how we want. And, um, but critical race theory, what I've seen in the lessons that are given to my students, because I'm a former public school teacher of 15 years, is basically dividing our kids by color, by the color of their skin, and teaching them to look at everything through the lens of color rather than being a colorblind society. I saw the lessons firsthand as a teacher, and it was in a required class called Ethnic Studies for the ninth grade students at my district, it, which is in California, Salinas Union High School District. Can you explain to us when you saw it and how you saw it, I what will. was it like? Can you tell us the story? Yes. So we had a pandemic, right? And we shut down the schools. Yes, it was really challenging because I taught the English learners and I taught the students that are behind in reading. So imagine doing that online. And I actually shared the same online platform as um, my coworker, my co uh, colleague, who was teaching the ethnic studies class that was required for the ninth grade students. And because we shared the same platform, I was able to see all of her lessons that she was giving to the students. And in the lessons was explicit critical race theory. So there's two things that you may see with critical race theory. You may see it explicitly taught, but the left has learned to hide it. I was able to see it before they've started hiding it. So they taught the students critical race theory, the definition. They taught the students how to analyze school policy through critical race theory. They also taught them the benefits of critical race theory. They taught them how colorblind society is not is not progressive anymore. Um, so my students, my ninth grade students, actually s learned the real critical race theory. But there's also now a, a, a um, push to hide critical race theory and just teach all of the core tenets of critical race theory. So that was also in the class that my students had. So, so how did you see that? You, you found the program. Yeah. 
and you started looking, uh, you started so looking? So my students, I, like I said, I teach the English learners, and I, and I check their grades to see how they're doing in their other classes, especially my homeroom students. We would do every week, we would do a grade check, and I started noticing that most of my boys were failing their ethnic studies course. And this was actually the first year that they started requiring ethnic studies for California students. If you know, Gavin Newsom actually signed into law that all high schoolers in California need to take an ethnic studies course in order to graduate. It's not being implemented just yet, but my district went ahead and said, you know what, we're gonna start doing it this year and having our ninth grade students take ethnic studies. So I noticed that a pattern that my a lot of my boys were failing, and I don't know why it's boys, they just didn't like the class, and I, I noticed that they were all failing this course, and I'm like, what's going on, you know, because I'm concerned about their grades, not just in my class, because they're English learners, and I want them to make, sh I want to make sure they're being successful in all their classes, and I noticed that my, and I'm like, what's going on, and I'm like, why are you guys all failing this ethnic studies course, and when you hear the word ethnic studies, you think it seems positive, it has a very positive Diversity, connotation. And, yeah, you know, different kinds maybe of we're learning exactly. Yeah. We're learning about different ethnicities. We're learning about maybe the, their different cultures and traditions. Which I think is wonderful, and but that's not what this course is about. And so I asked my stu my students, "Why are you guys failing your ethnic studies course?" And I had some boys tell me, "Oh, this class is stupid. I don't know why we have to take it. You know, they're they're, they have to take this class in ninth grade." So again, I shared the same platform as a teacher. I'm a very curious person. I noticed that her lessons were public, so I started looking through them, and my jaw dropped. What On day five, see? the kids were given a privilege quiz. So what was this like? So a privilege quiz is basically asking the kids questions that are very carefully chosen and then ranking them by privilege against their classmates. And they were asked to reflect against their privilege if they were on the top or on the bottom against their classmates. So it's just already dividing our students. And so some kids would come out as being the least privilege, and some kids would come out on top as the most privileged. And again, again, the questions are carefully chosen, and it's just dividing the class. And so some of the questions are like, if you um, come from an immigrant family, then you are, go lower on the list. If you have you know, books in your home, you go higher on the list. So they just divided the class by privilege. But the, of course, they leave out some questions like sexual abuse. You know, I think that, and I, I don't think we should be doing that anyways, asking our kids these personal questions, especially on day five, but that affects all races and all, all you know, incomes. And so to say that you're privileged because of these 10 questions we chose, that the left has chose as this is, this is considered oppressed, is just so wrong. So we're putting this message into our kids that they're either oppressed or privileged at their most formative years of their life. And it's... I think it's criminal. And was the information public for others, all the students? Is so uh, all the teachers had access. Yeah, the, the, the lessons were public to my, to my site. So. so as a student, would you say, okay, I'm privileged and you had to share with oh, all of you? Oh, yeah, so they could reflect, they had to reflect with each other. Yeah, they could reflect with each other. And it was optional. They could, they could say they don't want to share, but they, were, they got to see where they were against, their other, against the other students. And was it based on race? Is it, that okay there was some questions that implied race. They didn't just straight up say, are you white? But they said, do you have immigrant parents or do you have parents that speak English? You know, and so it kind of implied the, the difference of races. And so, of course, if you don't have a parent that speaks English, well, then you're probably, you know, not a person of color, right? Mm. You know, so it, it did def it was definitely very loaded and carefully chosen questions. 
And there was so much to this curriculum. They had a whole lesson on Black Lives Matter, where they, were, they learned about Patrice Cullors, the founder of Black Lives Matter, who is a, an admitted Marxist. And they were, at the end, they were asked whether or not they, I mean, they were asked what they, not whether or not they would support Black Lives Matter, but what, what they would do to support Black Lives Matter. So they didn't even get the option to like opt out, you know? So it's like, this is yeah. great. You yeah, this is great. This. And what are you going to do to support? And of course, they don't share with them all the horrible things about that movement, which I think is actually more about defunding and abolishing the police than black lives. It, they've proven that. They don't care about any black lives except for There's been criminals. There's corruption yeah. with that organization. Exactly. Well. Or the their money. Yeah. And so they had a whole lesson on Black Lives Matter. They, they learned the concept of intersectionality, which is uh, also a a tenet of critical race theory, and that's a term that people should look out for if they want to see if a lesson has critical race theory, if kids are being taught about intersectionality, which is basically counting your oppressions. So if you are a black female lesbian, you have three forms of oppression. But if you are a white male Christian, you have no oppression. And they ha show kids charts like these are the kids that are, this, the, these are the people that are privileged. And as you go out, here's the more and more, more oppressed, you know, and as you keep as you keep going, um, you know, you can count your oppressions. And it's just, like I said, so divisive. So then what will happen after that? So let's say I'm, I'm an oppressed person yeah. and then th somebody else is privileged and we're in the same class. Then where do we go from there? So what they, their goal in this is, and this is also was part of the curriculum, was to decolonize America, to have a revolution. The goal of the class was, in, even in the first slide that the teacher gave the students, it said to be woke. So they want to have a, and, and, and oh, they also taught the students about Marxism. There was a slide on Marxism, and they learned about it in a positive way. And so the goal is to classify America, or the US, as a racist country, including the Constitution, which I think is a beautiful document and something that has made our country so much better than most others. <laughs> and say that that document was created by racists, our country was founded on racist, racism, so we need a revolution. And they are trying to, and they, there was whole, there was a whole lessons on having a counter-revolution and to decolonize America. And so that is their goal, is to have these students be angry and upset and work to tear this place down so they can create some sort of creepy Chaz dystopia, because I don't know if you guys remember Chaz during the Black Lives Matter mm. protests when they occupied Oregon. Yes, yes. That's what it's going to look like. <laughs> and I just don't think their solutions are going to work. <laughs> what about the teacher of the class? Did yeah. you know who the teacher was? Was the teacher really, was the teacher really knowing what they were doing? Because a lot of times oh, these yeah. kind of things. Yeah, the, and, and I want to say these teachers, because I've been a California public school teacher for 15 years, and they do have good intentions. They're just... I think they have been so radicalized by their college education. So we got to remember that America, I mean, in America, our colleges are very left-leaning and the professors are very convincing and they only show one side. I, I majored in pre-law and education at UC Santa Cruz. I got a master's in education at UC Santa Cruz and I actually did a privileged quiz, a privileged walk 15 years ago and I had no idea what I was doing because I didn't really know about this stuff yet and I was still on the left and I'm like, and now I look back and I was like, wow, I was taught all of this stuff they're teaching our kids now, you know? And I remember feeling so, I remember being in my class, in that class, and just thinking every kid in the, every white male in the class was a racist, patriarchal pig, you know? Because at the time I was very left-leaning and I just was like, every, just trying to look for racism everywhere. But that my, 
my college education had um, fostered that and gr it grew in me because of what I was learning. And that's exactly what has happened to these teachers. They've been radicalized by their college education and now they're bringing that to our, our kids in America. They're bringing it to the K through 12 schools. And they are um, relentless. They really think that what they're doing is going to save America because they have been convinced that our country is, a is an oppressive place to people of color and it needs to be torn down and restart. Restarted. And if you have that mindset, you're looking for racism. Oh yeah, you find it, right? And I've you seen find that. Mm -hmm. So, like for example, once once this kid, once a kid gets into that victim mindset, if they have a white teacher and the white teacher corrects them, they're like, "Oh, you're doing that because you're a racist," you know. And we also have policies in California that have um, been put on the books, like we're not allowed to to suspend a student for being willfully defiant anymore. So, if a teacher's cu a student's cussing out a teacher or threatening a teacher, you can't suspend that student because there was a higher rate of black and brown kids getting suspended. So they thought, oh, it's immediately because of racism in the school. So therefore let's get rid of the policy. And not taking into other factors, like the fact that a lot of these kids don't have fathers in the home. And that completely changes how they can turn out in life. And uh, I didn't have a father in my home, but you know, I had men, my stepdad that came in and I had my grandpa and like it just really helped, you know, to just ground me as a child. And I think that there's that's a that's a real problem in America is fatherless homes, especially in black and brown kids. And they don't consider that. They just immediately deem the institution racist and get rid of the policy. That also happened in San Diego where they stopped requiring homework. So or having it be uh, affect a student's grades because they noticed that black and brown kids weren't turning in their homework as much as white kids. So therefore, let's just get rid of homework and not have it affect the grades. I worked with black and brown kids my whole career. My first job was in Compton, California. And to say that they can't turn in their homework is, and, I, and I'm telling you, these students had really hard home lives. But if they have the correct teacher that believes in them and pushes them and has and sees their potential instead of saying, oh, they're not gonna do as well as the white kids, so therefore I'm just gonna lower the standards for them, which I think is very racist, uh, they can absolutely meet the standard, go above it, actually. So is that disrespectful to do that? To I say, okay, agree. You know, yes. these kids can't do it because. Uh, mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize how racist that is. You know, I know Larry Elder goes into that a lot. This, it's called the soft bigotry of low expectations. I don't think it's soft bigotry. I think it's hard bigotry. You know, to say that these, these kids, because of the color of their skin, they're just never going to perform as well as white kids because they are oppressed. When, and the other thing is that I'm not saying that there's no racism in America. I do think that there are racist people, and I actually think it's getting worse. But I think we were going heading in the right direction, and now we're heading in the wrong direction. But do, does that mean that we need to just always play, play the oppressive card? I mean, sometimes you're going to have bad experiences. You're going to have hard things in life. But we got to learn teach our kids to be resilient, to learn from those experiences and grow more powerful and strong instead of just blaming everybody else for everything that happens to them and take control of their own lives, you know, instead of just always playing the victim. Why not take control of your own lives? Because this is the greatest country to do that in. So you mentioned you were yourself kind of like oh, into yeah. this ideology. Mm -hmm. How did you get out of it? Well, what happened? <laughs> How did you? It's, you know, I think a lot of us are waking up. Uh, that, I think that's part of the reason why they have to censor everything so much, because if you have, you know, two brain cells that rub together <laughs> and you start seeing this other, you start seeing the other side and learning more of, of our full history, uh, you start waking up. 
you know, and it really was during Obama for me. I noticed that Obama was doing things that the mainstream media was not reporting on or not making a big deal out of. And especially, I, I was just starting out as an educator when he was it first became, an, became our president and Common Core happened and I knew it wasn't gonna be good for our students. And he also promised that he was gonna get rid of all the standardized tests and make it less, you know, um, no child left behind, which was Bush. He, you know, he was campaigning on how bad that was and then he ended up making it worse and get, took more power away from we teachers. We weren't allowed to, you know, we had less power because we, were ha we had to teach these new standards, these common core standards that were uh, countrywide, which, and took more power away from the states. So that really upset me. I was like, why? That was a federal government power grab. Like states are supposed to be in charge of the education of students. And I think that we're, they're different in every state, you know, and to just give all these standards and I and I also saw the fruits of it that our students started failing more because of them so and then everyone was just cheering for him oh he's so great he's so great and here he was like droning civilians and we didn't even hear about it in the news or he cut food stamps and I was a leftist at the time and I was like why you he cut food stamps more than any other president of my lifetime and I was like why is Obama cutting food stamps I thought he was supposed to be the one for poor people you know and so I just started waking up and then I really can't stand that the media the mainstream media is not honest with the American people and they're extremely biased. I mean, we've seen it at, we've seen it the last four years go extra bad. Like it's, it's now, you know, it's, uh, if you have to be, you know, just so out of touch to not see that the mainstream media is extremely biased, right? But it just really bothers me that we aren't getting an accurate picture of what's going on in our country. Now, Kali, the teachers that you worked with in your school district, mm -hmm. These are probably very nice people, right? Yeah, you know, they come into the profession to, because they have a heart for children and they, have, they want to change the world, you know? And I, I, I have that too, you know? I, I, want, I know that a teacher can change a child's life, that, it, that they can be going one direction, headed down bad direction, and then they get a class that they enjoy and they just go the other way. And that's just that's something really beautiful about that. And I think that they, come in with good intentions, but I also think that their minds are very clouded by all of the rhetoric and narratives that are being pushed on our country right now. And they are activists, they're activist teachers. And I think it's very important for our classrooms in America to stay politically neutral. Yes, I am right-leaning, but I never forced my political beliefs on my students. They didn't even know who I voted for. Do you think that these teachers are lost in more like national politics and politics than actually focusing on what they do the best, which is in the classroom? Well, just look at our students' test scores. How are they doing? They're not doing very well. We're not even competitive with most first world countries anymore. Our, our educational system is failing, yet we're gonna take my students that were behind in reading or they were English learners, take away time from when they could catch up on things that they could actually use in the future to go put them in ethnic studies, which is a leftist brainwashing class, instead of having them focus more on making sure they can read at grade level. So now, you, you, you did study this class. Can you tell us more about it? So day five, they're doing the privilege, privilege uh, you know, yeah. and, and from there, the quizzes, what's next? How does this class work? So they also learn about the four eyes of oppression so that includes the term internalized oppression and what that means and, the, and only people of color can have internalized oppression. No, white people don't have internalized oppression, at least according to this class. And that means that because you are oppressed by everybody else, 
you know, and you're a people of you're you're a person of color, you are now internalizing that oppression and oppressing yourself. So when you do a bad deed, it's not because you're doing a bad thing, it's because you're acting from internalized oppression. So what it does is it creates an excuse for bad behavior. So if you if you are a minority, if you're colored, yeah. or if you do something wrong, it's okay. Then yeah, exactly. Because you were exactly. oppressed. Exactly, you are oppressed. But most of these teachers, aren't they white themselves? Yeah, unfortunately. And that's, it's weird because about three years ago, I wasn't really paying attention to all of this stuff. I was just so dedicated to my practice as a teacher. You know, I, I was just loving what I was doing. And we st I started having, like, colleagues stand up and be like, I know I have white privilege. And I, they were like, announce it to the, and I just want to make sure that I acknowledge that I have white privilege. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, first of all, I don't care. Secondly, like, it just, why is this, why are you doing this, you know? And so I started looking into like, why are these people starting to claim their white privilege? Like, and then I, and then I would have colleagues who, who would do it in front of their class. Like on the first day, they would be like, you know, I know I'm coming from a place of personal privilege. You know, and I just want to want you guys to know that I hear you. And so what these teachers are doing and they're being trained on this, this is in our trainings, is they are being trained to treat students differently based on the color of their skin. So the whole when you hear the term equity, that's what that means. We're getting away from equality and going to equity, which is basically make sure you treat people with what they need instead of making sure things are equal. So people of color or black kids, they need special attention and they need, you know, lowered standards and let's make sure we're, you know, and then and our white kids, and I've seen this in trainings, I've even exposed the videos of them, um, where they tell the white kids they need to be more quiet, let the, let the, let the people of color talk. And which, by the way, I can't stand the term people of color. I'm using their language. I think people, people of color is a Democrat rebranding of the word colored. It's just a way to separate people and by the color of their skin. So when I use that term, it doesn't mean I like that term. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then they have black indigenous people of color. I don't know if you've he heard of that, BIPOC. And what that, yeah, that so yet. BIPOC is actually the more woke term. So if you're using people of color, you're behind. You need to be using black and BIPOC, black indigenous people of color, because they want to recognize that black and indigenous have a separate and more oppressed experience than just people of color. So since you're not black and indigenous, you're just people of color, but you're, yeah. So I'm that's where that we're privilege. headed. That's how, that's how, yeah, exactly. You're not, you're lower, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's just, it's just ridiculous what they're doing to our, our, and I'm seeing the fruits of it. The fruit is producing a lot more racism. And I can't even tell you, since I've exposed these critical race theory lessons, I've never been treated with so much racism in my life, ever. I have, I've so been So what did you face after? Yeah. So you came to public, so after you, see, you saw this class, yes. did you see the training as well for the teachers? I did, uh, I have seen some trainings. I actually got out before the training because we were all in a pandemic, right? Yeah. And so I, I haven't been, been but I've, I've had people leak the trainings to me of other districts and stuff now that I've been more outspoken. So in the trainings, they, you know, teach the kids about what, uh, they teach the teachers about white saviorism and how that's bad. They'll say some stuff like the movie Blindside, which is like a really great movie. I don't know if you've seen it with Sandra Bullock, where mm. she adopts a boy who's um, on the streets and becomes a star football player. And she's white, right? And he's black. And now they're saying that's called white saviorism and it's actually damaging to people of color. I saw that in a, in a teacher training. So to help to help a black kid now, like where, where are we going to, what's, they, they, they can't even, they contradict themselves. So to help them is bad, but then to not help them and give them special privileges, 
that's you also need to make sure you're doing that. So it's like I don't even get where they're going with this, but yeah. So I leaked. I've been I leaked the lessons that were happening in my district, and then um, posted screenshots of what was going on online and made videos about it, just because I was so upset that the mainstream media was lying about it. And I was and I just started posting on TikTok saying, "Hi, I'm a." a public school teacher, and I want you to know that the mainstream media is lying to you about critical race theory being in our schools because I have the screenshots. And I started going viral because of that, because I think it's important for America to hear and from teachers. And then what happened? Well, that's when a bunch of hate and racism followed. And it, I, even my own, our own school board president, because I wrote a letter to the school board called those of us that spoke up against critical race theory, including myself, anti-people of color. So because we didn't subscribe to this, we're now considered anti-people of color, which is a nice way of saying racist. And he posted this on Facebook. This is the school board president. So they're saying you're racist against your, against your own race. Mm -hmm. that's, that's essentially. Yep. When all I've ever done is dedicate my life to black and brown kids. And I, I don't want to get teary eyed, but that's it's it's just very you know insulting. And that's that's actually the nice nicest thing that's been said to me. I mean, I've been called a bed wench. A, coon, I don't know if I can say that, a house n-word, um, that I hate myself. I can't even tell you how many times I've been called an Uncle Tom, but the left is so brainwashed they don't know actually that's kind of, that's, Uncle Tom wasn't, was actually the hero of the story, <laughs> but um, I've been just all the day, all the time, and there, I think, I firmly believe that we need to judge critical race theory by what it's producing, the fruit, and the fruit is hate and racism. So why are you doing this? Why well, did you do this? Because I am seeing our, because I care about our young people in America. They're so, um, they're wonderful. I love teaching our, our kids and I'm just seeing what it's doing to them. It's destroying them. I've seen more depression. Uh, I mean, I know that if any teacher is watching this, they've seen the degradation of our, Amer of our kids. Like 15 years ago, it's completely different from the kids that we're dealing with now today. They just have so much more issues and they're, so much, they're more angry, you know, and uh, especially our minority kids. And it's setting them up for failure because if I had a teacher like that when I was in high school and considering I, at the time, I was um, angry, depressed, overweight, sexually abused, like, and I was just told, you're just gonna be a victim your whole life, and you're just gonna have to go, instead of being told, hey, you know, you can pick yourself up by the bootstraps, which is now considered a bad thing to tell kids. The left doesn't like that term, like picking yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, working hard, you know, to get to where you wanna be. No, we need to make sure we're handing out to buy. No, if I, if I had that mindset, I would not be sitting here today. If I was, if I just embraced the victim narrative and just, oh, I have all these bad things happen to me because of the color of my skin or because I'm overweight or because I'm stupid or whatever and just embraced it instead of working to change my own life and take control of it, I, like I said, I would not be sitting here today. So I know what damage it can do to our kids. Now the teachers, I assume their job is very difficult. Like they have to watch what they say and they have to, they have to cater the language to different races, the, the, at the rate these things are going, and you have to probably 
have you can a never please them. Yeah, they're gonna make. Mis- I I, I kind of love when the left self implodes because you do. I've heard now that the term spaz is now you can't use the term spaz because it's ableism or something like that. Like they, it's really hard to follow the rules of the left, and I'm really glad that I'm I don't have to follow them anymore because I'm not on that side. But I do think that teachers are. Do you th- think they're gonna at some point they're gonna say I can't do this anymore? Like, I hope I- so. I think more people are waking up, and I think that a lot of the teachers that are on the fence about it, are starting to see the fruits of it. They're just, they just can't say anything because they know that if they go against critical race theory, they'll be labeled as a white supremacist, which that's another thing I've been called, as a white supremacist, which I think is ridiculous. You know, I'm like, they, they almost call black conservatives white supremacists more than like real white supremacists that are actually white and have like a Nazi flag. Like we get called it more than they do, you know? And so I do think that there's a lot of teachers on the fence or a lot of teachers that are against it, but they, and I've actually had them contact me and say thank you, but they feel like they can't speak up because they could lose their job. And that, I think that's a very real, um, that's a very real worry for a lot of these teachers. Now, California, we're at the forefront of all of this. Yes. You know, and we, we actually are mandating this ethnic yes. study. And, and, you know, we are kind of mandating the critical race theory versus some other states that are banning it mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about where we're headed in California? Yeah, I don't want to be someone that just complains without offering solutions. Um, I think that's not good for me. That's not good for America. And it's like we have enough complainers, right? And so I think that the best thing that parents can do, I have three solutions for them. The best thing that parents can do is pull their kids from public schools because they are paid per pupil. And so we got to hit them where they hurt, where it hurts. And if we are starting to pull our kids from public schools, we're sending a strong message. We do not like what's happening at our schools. And critical race theory is just one aspect. We could do a whole other episode about all the other stuff that's happening to our students, including all the gender identity stuff and all that. But um, they're being attacked on many angles. But I think the best option is to pull kids from public schools, and I'm here to help with that. I actually opened my own online, fully accredited K through 12 school. We're actually nationally accredited called Exodus Institute, and you can find information on that at thinkexodus.org. I actually cashed out my my California retirement to open the school this last year, yeah. You mentioned there's three solutions that you had. What are the other solutions? I know that some parents can't pull their kids from public school because they needed to have two incomes to survive and public school has turned into, hey, free childcare. <laughs> and I understand that. And even though I'm offering a solution with K through 12 public online school, I mean, not public, private online school, uh, a lot of parents just aren't in a place to be able to do that. So I really recommend that parents advocate for academic transparency laws. And so what that means is that law, that all lessons are online for parents to access. Public. Public for, yeah they're transparent. So we're not having hiding curriculum from parents, which I think shouldn't even be a law. I think that should just that be should what be normal. We, what right? should be normal, but unfortunately we have to fight for that. And um, academic transparency laws are, are just really, um, they, they, they basically open up the curtains and they also keep curriculum writers and teachers a little more in check because now when they want to add something, because it is a lot of this stuff is in the curriculum. So now when they add stuff, they know, oh, okay, we're going to have parents looking at this. And um, it's a way for parents to be able to see what's on the lessons. So um, there's actually an institute of lawyers, Goldwater Institute, and they're actually working really hard to expose, I mean, to get academic transparency laws in across the nation. And they've won in some states. 
so now that this, they have to make the state has to make sure that they're publishing all of the curriculum. Which makes sense. It seems yes, like it, a very it, basic yeah, thing. Yeah, it's going to be something we have to fight. So, and I think that there's just a, it's an education. Uh, people don't know about this, and so the more that they know that they can fight for this and they can root for this and uh, and vote for politicians that are about transparency, then they'll there'll be more parents that'll actually say, hey, you know, let's let's do more academic transparency laws. And then my third solution, which I think is one of the best things you can do if you can't pull your kids from public school, is um, vote for politicians and advocate for school choice. And that is where you can take um, the, the money that was you paid in taxes, uh, will now, uh, that was going to the public schools, well now you get a voucher that you can choose the school your child wants to go to, including a private school, a Christian school, Jewish school, you know, you, you get to choose the, the school and that money can be applied to that school. And my school actually takes vouchers. So if you're in a state that has school choice, California un unfortunately doesn't, even though we've, there, I know there's a lot of people in California that are fighting to try and get school choice, including Larry Elder. He was gonna, he actually, that was part of his platform was to, was he talked about school choice. And um, that uh, make sure you're voting for politicians that are pro school choice so that your tax dollars, there's great, like the state of Florida, which is where I live now, parents can um, use the money, they, get a, they can use a certain amount of money to put, that, to put their child in a school of their choice. So I'm big on school choice and I think that's something, and it's unfortunate the left doesn't embrace school choice because that's one of the things they talk about is these is our black and brown kids are in schools that are failing, but then they make them stay in that school and don't give them the choice to leave it. So yeah, academic transparency, school choice, or pull your kids from public school. <laughs> Carly Fontenia, educator, it was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you for having me.